with Greg Surratt. We are great. Uh, it's great to have you guys um, this week again to join us, and uh, we have got a great uh, just subject and some great guests today as we uh, just talk about church health. Um, once again, if you've never tuned into a ministry hangouts, it's a uh, just a time where we get together with church leaders from all over the world and just talk um, things that church leaders want to hear about and can learn from and uh, just hope to make it a resource. Um, today, our namesake, Pastor Greg Surratt, is not able to be with us, but uh, I'll be leading uh, the questions with our, our guest, and our guest will be uh, just sharing with us, uh, and, and we'll tell you who they are in just a moment. Um, but also, just a reminder that you can go back and there's about 17 Ministry Hangouts now, I believe. You can go watch the archives at ministryhangouts.com uh, and then church health. And uh, what does it look like? How do you measure it? And uh, how do you build a staff team around uh, being healthy? And I, I couldn't have thought of any two guests who could uh, talk about this subject more than the two that we have on today. Um, and we've got Jenny Catron. Can- Ka- I said it right before, Jenny, and then I messed it up just now. Uh, how, how do you do that? Uh, but uh, Jenny is uh, on staff with uh, Pete Wilson at Cross Point Church in Nashville and the author of a just-released book that she will tell us about uh, during our time today and uh, one of the, the sharpest leaders um, in the country. I, I can say that. She won't say it about herself, and I know Tony will not. And in fact, Jenny, all the time I hear, this is the statement I hear, one of the sharpest women leaders in the country and, and I say, take the woman part out of it. I mean, obviously, you're a woman. But uh, you're one of the sharpest leaders in the country. And, and I'm so glad to have you on to represent uh, all the great leaders uh, who are leading at the executive level throughout um, the country. So, Jenny, great to have you on the show today and uh, to be with us. Awesome. Thank you. And then we also have uh, Mr. Tony Morgan uh, with us. Now, Tony, I don't know if you own this or not, but I always describe you as the Seth Godin of church stuff. So I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You don't have the bald head, but it's not, you know, not that. But uh, I just, I learned so much from your blog post. Um, known uh, Tony now for probably almost 10 years that we have uh, either been uh, online uh, talking or, and I've gotten to meet a couple times in face-to-face. And Tony knows church uh, staff. He knows um, systems. Uh, and he knows church health. In fact, uh, one of my favorite um things to go to when I'm looking about church health is your series of blog posts that we'll talk about today on church health. Uh, it just it helps me in, uh, to go back and revisit it often. So uh, glad to have you on, Tony, and thank you for being a part of the Ministry Hangouts today. It's good to be with you as well. Awesome. Well, let's just jump right in. Uh, church health uh, is a, a interesting, it's a broad topic, obviously. We can go a lot of different places with it. Um, but one of the things I was thinking, and being a church planter myself, and having been on staff at a large church now in a smaller church and a, a large staff and now a smaller staff and you know a lot of different volunteer roles with now uh, a smaller amount of volunteer roles but almost uh, carrying more load those volunteers are. I was thinking about whether church health really starts with the church, you know, the people in the church, or does church health start uh, with the the team? And uh, Tony, you know, as you you kind of help churches all over the country, you walk through things with them. Sometimes they're in good situations. Sometimes they're in uh, difficult situations. Uh, where do you find that church health rises from? Of course, we know everything rises and falls on leadership. But do you see a, a mixture of that, or does it start with the team? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. I, I was just having this conversation with another church this morning who are they're sensing they're stuck, 
and it's interesting because they've gone through a process of beginning to tweak some people and tweak some methods, uh, but they haven't gone through the process yet of kind of clarifying again why do we exist, where are we trying to go, what do we believe God's called us to, and I think there's a danger anytime we start trying to change people and methods before we get to the core of what is it that we're really about, why do we do what we do, uh, because when, when you jump too quickly to people or particularly to methods, it can, you can quickly get into arguments and division within churches about is this the right method or not uh, until you have the buy-in of why are we doing what we do. And so I think when it comes to church health, honestly, it begins there uh, before we start looking at the nitty-gritty details of what's happening in various strategies or with the team as a whole. Is, would you say, Tony, that one of the things you have to even do to help um, right the ship, for back of, lack of a better term, or to just help get someone healthy, is to really almost force teams to think through that and not to jump to those conclusions? Do you see that um, as, a, as a knee-jerk reaction to people, as to change systems or programs or even people? Yeah, I mean, I think, and this is probably one of the challenges of us being Americans and living in the U.S., is we see a problem, especially for leaders, we see a problem, we want to figure out what the solution is immediately and get to that solution. And uh, some, sometimes that works. Honestly, though, in the long run, I think if we begin with the end in mind, obviously it's more likely that we'll have success in the long run as well. And so the challenge, of course, is that all of that, uh, getting perspective, planning, putting together an action plan, that takes time. Uh, and for us to do it right, we have to invest, we have to include many people, we have to get buy-in. Uh, and because we want quick solutions, sometimes we're not willing to invest the time that's required to get there. Mm, that's good. And I would imagine, too, that maybe one of the things you discover during that time, um, I know there were times at Seacoast where we discovered through a time of just really uh, uncovering things and kind of getting to the nitty-gritty of why we were doing what we were doing and going back and hearing Pastor Greg's vision again, um, that oftentimes there would be areas that, that we would understand that we can't fix this with just a system change because we're not healthy in this area. And so, Jenny, like, you lead a, a young um, team um, of you're growing a lot, so you're probably adding people into this culture. You, you've got this culture that you guys have refined and you've dug deep like Tony's talking about. You know the why, and then you add you know, four staff members that they love it, but they don't know that yet. How do you keep that team healthy? How do you keep going back to that vision? You know, what do you do with your staff as you lead them to make sure that staff health is there? Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I agree with Tony. I think that 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 understanding of vision is so critical to, you know, overall health and that unity that everybody is really on the same page. And I think of, you know, kind of that phrase, speed of the leader, speed of the team, kind of speed of the church or health of the leader, health of the team, health of the church. And um, we, we have, you know, Crosspoint is 11 years old, and we have grown quickly and added staff, you know, like crazy, especially over the last um, few years. And we've hit some hurdles, and I've had a chance sometimes to talk with Tony about some of this, but we've hit some hurdles in the last few years of because of the complexity and how many additional staff we have, what, what used to be norm to us is that all of our staff could be in the same room, and you could sit around and you could talk about vision or health and uh, you know, a lot of that, those culture things that kept us healthy as a team were really easy to um, kind of teach and be caught, you know, in just because we were together so frequently. 
And so we've had to add um, just a lot of things over the last couple years to create environments where we're um, casting that vision well, we're you know recasting that vision frequently to our staff. And I think that's probably been one of the most surprising things for me as a leader is, you know, we know the vision leaks. We've all heard that axiom, you know, numerous times. But it's like it surprises me every time that comes up, you know, and that keeping the why in front of our team just repeatedly and in different ways is so critical. And I think, you know, first and foremost, um, Pete models this well for us. You know, um, Pete is an exceptionally great leader. He's a healthy leader. Um, he does a lot of things in his life to keep himself healthy, and then in turn, you know, he's modeling that for the staff. So that's super critical for us, but then we've got to create the places for those conversations. So we've added some training for new staff that just, we call them, we have a, a class called Culture Shock that is for brand new staff that just um, kind of uh, immerses them into staff culture and the things that we consider health for us as a church and as a staff. So we've added some things like that. Um, part of our performance plan process is um, not only like objectives for their role and their responsibilities, but there's also like um, some elements of personal growth and development and personal health, spiritual health that are part of that process. So we're always looking for different ways where we're weaving in um, you know, things that help us be a healthy staff and a healthy culture. We're looking for places to weave that in frequently. That is great. I love that. I just wrote down on my notes that culture shock. I think that's at any size something that a church could do and even filter down into uh, volunteer roles. Because one of the things we find, we're two and a half years old, and you talk about the vision leaking, and it's amazing how quickly the, you yourself even go, wait a minute, yeah. I need to remember why am I doing this, and to have something in place that trains everybody new. That is brilliant. That is a brilliant idea. And if you yeah. didn't capture anything else today and you're watching this, I think that's something everybody can act on. Um, Tony, one of the things Andy Stanley talks about, I was thinking as Jenny was talking, is not as teams tend to, like you said, go in and try to fix the systems or try to change things um, that aren't working. But sometimes we, we forget to go, what is working? Like, why did we get here? And write that down too so that we're not always just fixing broken things, but we keep doing the, the things that do work. Um, as you help churches, like Jenny mentioned that she's, you know, you've helped her get through stuff. Um, you and I had a conversation about a year into um, our church that uh, had a very difficult season, a very difficult decision, and you helped us walk through that. As you're, as you're doing those things, what are some of the things that you see church staffs doing that maybe they don't even realize they're doing the doing good, do not grow weary in doing good things rather than just breaking or fixing the broken things? Hmm. Well, uh, let me maybe offer this. Part of the process, the strat uh, strategic planning process that I lead churches through, it's based on uh, Stratop. Uh, Tom Patterson originally developed this process working with businesses. Uh, he's a Christ follower, and uh, that's been uh, modified in a sense, to, uh, that process to work with churches. One of the key uh, tools that we use in that it's called the four helpful lists and it's really just about answering four basic questions about where you are as a church and those four questions are this what's working what's wrong what's confusing and what's missing and the key I think to that whole conversation is the first question what's working and again as I mentioned when I'm going through this with leadership teams because they're leaders they're 
pretty quick uh, to try to jump to the problems that are existing in the ministry or the organization. Mm -hmm. And so I intentionally mm -hmm. tell them, you can't answer the last three questions yet. Let's just focus on the very first question, what's working? Um, and that's important because as we identify what's working, it helps us to understand what do we need to continue to optimize as a church, as a ministry. What's the stuff that God's blessing? It's kind of that Henry Blackaby uh, principle. What's, what's God blessing right now? Because it's in the stuff that God's blessing where you're, you're probably going to identify what's distinctive about your church. And so kind of getting back to your original question, Sean, you said when we were talking about systems and churches kind of jumping to, to the methods that need to be fixed and things like that, a lot of that comes because we see God blessing something in somebody else's church. And we assume since it's working there, we need to make sure that's working at our church as well. Well, the answer to that could be yes, but... Most times, God's already doing something in your ministry. He's blessing something in your ministry. Life change is happening. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can more effectively identify that and then continue to optimize that, pour into that, resource that, pray through that, I think that's where we're going to have our biggest impact as a church. Mm. That's good. I love those four questions. And uh, we uh, also, what we'll be doing, the guys that are watching this and uh, staff that are watching it, we'll be tweeting from Ministry Hangouts. Any resource that is um, listed, a book that is named that's been a great book or a resource to help or a church that's done something good, uh, we'll be tweeting those out to you uh, just so that you'll be aware of uh, different things going on. So uh, as you are uh, thinking, oh gosh, I wish I had something to write down with, I wish I could remember what they just said, uh, you can go to the Ministry Hangouts Twitter feed and uh, find that there. And then if you have a question right now, uh, you can hashtag it with Ministry Hangouts, and we'd love to get your question in front of um, Jenny and Tony as we're here. Um, my next question comes from, um, I think it was probably five or six years ago, um, that a, a well-known uh, pastor had, had written a blog about uh, just their boundaries and the things that they do uh, to kind of keep themselves from burning out and and, and just uh, and and just the, all the different areas of Sabbath that they had and it was a great post. It was one that we probably all um, written before, read before, and I'll never forget that down in the comments section um, they had allowed um, this comment to be taken. It wasn't out of disrespect at all, but one of their staff members had written, "Hey, I love that you have this for yourself." But the reason you have this for yourself is because we're dying. <laughs> and that's because your boundaries are there. We're dying. And the pastor had said, hey, you know what? I want everybody else to see this because now I'm dealing with this issue because this is true. Um, as we talk about you know, staff health, and Jenny, you said as the, as the leader is healthy, the staff is healthy, the church is healthy, and, and we know that to be completely true. But I think I've seen in rubbing shoulders with a lot of large churches, medium churches, and even some church plants that oftentimes the executive leadership and the, the head leadership will have those boundaries, but it's hard for the staff underneath there to have them simply because sometimes they're the taskers. You know, they're, they're doing it. Tony, have you, have you seen that to be true in church health? And what have you seen the effect that that has? And what, what can we do about that? And have you seen some success stories there in that? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. And in fact, I've had to push the pause button on some conversations with churches at different times just because the team wasn't healthy and it wasn't, wasn't going to do me any good to press on and try to help them identify strategies and systems to move forward if just 
you know, the issue of soul care was uh, a challenge for the team. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I really encourage, whether you feel like you're healthy or not, a good friend of mine, Lance Witt, has written a book called Replenish. And I think for any team, uh, and this may be one of those resources where every 12 to 24 months are kind of picking that up and reviewing it together. And certainly Lance wrote that with the church leader in mind. I mean, it's as an individual leader in the church, I think it'd be helpful for you to take a look at that. Uh, but I would also encourage you to look at it through the filter of your role of leading and influencing others on your team, that there are some principles there. You need to make sure your team is healthy, that it's not just are they getting the ministry done, but where are they? Where is their soul? And obviously, if there isn't health there, the church isn't going to be healthy either. Yeah, yeah. And Jenny, have you ever seen that to be the case, I mean, where – you you you're really working hard at the executive level to keep healthy and to keep boundaries going, but the residual effect sometimes because of maybe expectations or unrealistic expectations or growth patterns um, that it's hard to keep the whole staff healthy. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think that I think that is I think we forget sometimes just how much we push down the line, you know, in details when we're working on big ideas. And, and it's easy to forget, like it doesn't take long to get d disconnected from some of those frontline job responsibilities and, you know, how much time goes into teaching and training and leading volunteers. And, you know, and so what, you know, one request asks of one of our staff members. And so um, I think that, I think that's so huge. And I think we've got to have a pulse on it. One of the things that um, we talk about a lot, I talk about what I call five dimensions of leadership, that we as leaders have to be self-leaders first. We have to know how to lead ourselves well, and that speaks to soul care and all of those things. And then there's there's things like um, spiritual leadership, relational leadership, management, and vision, that as a leader we need to be aware of all five of those. And so we're teaching our team that, that they have a responsibility both to themselves and to everyone, to the, those they lead, to be leading themselves well. And so, you know, we'll lean into our staff and say, okay, what does is, what is your self-leadership look like right now? Where, what are your boundaries? How are you managing your time? And we'll do occasional um, uh, deals where we'll have our staff keep time logs and tell us, you know, just tell me how you're, uh, this is not checking on you for the sake of just making sure you're doing your job. You're doing your job. But let me understand what it's taking you to do your job. You know, because again, I think we get so easily disconnected from what it really means for a staff person to execute this grand idea that you know we've we've uh, you know cast down from the executive team. And um, so occasionally we'll do that, and it's and we encourage them. It's more about us understanding you than it is checking on you. You know, and if you can frame that right and say, hey. Help me understand what it's really taking for you to do what you're what you're doing. Um, that's a big piece for us, and uh, um, I think you know just um, another piece that we do as an exec team is our offices are closed on Fridays and Saturdays, and it is an expectation that one of those days is your Sabbath, and so uh, we we really encourage our team that um, if your um, if your uh, we're, if we email you, if I email you as an exec member on a Friday or Saturday, there's not an expectation that you're um, responding back. You know, so we kind of set some boundaries to say um, these are our expectations, and uh, you know, we we're not. Ex this is when we expect a response. This is not when we expect a response. So we kind of put a lot of that on the table up front to help people understand. I don't expect you to respond to everything in the moment. You know, 
So that's that. great. That is great stuff. And and just I think the idea of asking people, and I know it's hard because when the executive pastor comes in and says, "Can you fill out a time block for me?" It's like everyone's going, "Oh no!" Yeah. So you've obviously built a culture there of trust too at, at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to frame that well. That always yeah. hasn't always gone well, but you yeah. have to if you shape it right and it's and it's it's presented with the right heart in that it's it's really about me understanding your world. Um, yeah. it totally changes the changes the feel of it. That, and, and, but I think it's very helpful because you do I remember one time meeting with our team um, when I was over the creative um, aspects of, of everything and and uh, just kind of giving a big idea project to the video team. And I remember one of the, the guys on the team who, you know, had the guts but also had the respect to be able to say this and said, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to knock it out. But realize that what took you guys four minutes in a, in a green light thinking, you know, session to say, oh, let's make this video is literally hours. And we want to do it. This is our job. We want to do it. But, yeah. but it's a four-minute thing for you. It's a 40-hour video for us. And, uh, if, you know, and, and it, was, it was just good to know. It wasn't them saying we can't do it. It was just a let's let's be on the same page with what this takes, uh, and so I, I thought that was a, a good thing, a good learning uh, to kind of know what other people do um, and and how much time it does take to carry out some of those those tasks, and that helps with with help. Um, Jenny, back to you just for a minute, um, and this is a kind of a, a vulnerable you know put yourself in a vulnerable position question because it's been a mistake. But if you said you know what's a mistake we've made that other we've learned from. And this wasn't the best way to go about this. And when it comes to your team, um, and 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 how would you how would you kind of frame that for others to learn from, maybe a little bit? Yeah. Um, one one recent thing that comes to mind for me, it's kind of a mistake that also kind of led us to a win. Was we were we had just moved into we're in a new building um, for a broadcast campus. We had just moved in, and that was a huge project for us. And it was a season that I got super hands-on. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a task first person by nature, and so I had gotten into the minutia pretty deeply just because it was kind of an all hands on deck, like jump in full force, have to get us through this relocation. Um, but unfortunately, it kind of kept me there, you know, for a little bit, and I was kind of frustrated with some things that we were doing as a team, and um, and I was like, is that just me or is that everybody? It looks like we're back again. And we're back. I don't know what happened, guys, but uh, Google Google filtered our content and thought this has got to go off air. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where we went away, Jenny, but you were talking. Okay, so you want me to just pick back up there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're we uh, we're in the middle of this uh, relocation. I got way hands on and was diving in a lot deeper than I probably should have, and. Uh, so we got around the table as an exec team, and I said, okay, let's start with me. You know, guys, what do I need to hear? What do I need to know? What, how do I need to lead differently, think differently, et cetera? And um, my team just said to me, Jenny, we need you to go back to telling us why instead of telling us how. And that goes back to that vision piece of my job was to really remind them of the vision and why what we were doing was significant, and it was their job to figure out how. And, um, and I had just, in the intensity of the season and in the intensity of, you know, the passion for what we were doing, I had just really started micromanaging again. And it wasn't healthy for them. It wasn't healthy for me. And um, it, was a, it was just a really, like, raw kind of moment for the team to get real honest with me. And I had to be super vulnerable to say, okay, what do I need to hear? 
but it created all new language for us as a team in that now we kind of stop each other and they'll say, um, Jenny, I just need you to tell us how, like, don't tell us why, or tell us why, don't tell us how, and uh, vice versa. If they come to me and they're asking details that drill deeper, I was like, do you really want me to tell you how, or do you need the why? And so it created some common language, and it was just a good reminder to me that I was, I was kind of resorting back to uh, a hands-on level of leadership that wasn't healthy for our team. So that's the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question. That's, that is, that's great because I think that that is a – most people who rise in leadership rise because they're good at getting things done. And, and so then yeah. you rise in leadership and you're like, all right, I'll get things done. I tell, I've told my staff before, I've said, don't ask me the details unless you want my opinion. And if you want my opinion, now I'm in charge. You know, I, I, now I've got to be because you've asked my opinion, and so now I've got to tell you how to do it. And so um, oftentimes they will joke and say, we're not telling you the details. We're just letting you know this is going on, which I, I love. Um, and that's a great thing for us to remember. Well, well, um, Tony, you know, as you help churches overall, and we're going to just kind of move into some healthy church, you know, how to measure it and stuff here in just a minute, but just kind of capping off this healthy teams part, um, just tell us a little bit about what you do, Tony, to help churches um, and, and how people can find out more about that and just kind of what that process looks like in a nutshell so that people can be aware of how you can help them. Sure. Well, uh, primarily what I'm about is just helping churches and really leaders get unstuck. And uh, those uh, types of churches come in two different camps maybe. One is a church that in the past at some point experienced success, but for whatever reason they've plateaued or maybe started to uh, decline and they're trying to figure out you know what's the next step we need to take and then the other camp is the church that they've just grown like gangbusters and as a result of that their challenge is just to make sure that the infrastructure is in place to sustain that growth in a healthy way uh, so in either case there are basically three core things that I do uh, health assessments for the churches strategic planning and then staffing and structure reviews and we like to do that in that order first help the church understand what's working what's not working and then put a plan in place looking at where they are where they want to go and then making sure action steps are tied to that plan and then looking at okay if this is our new strategy how do we need to structure as a staff team and in ministry programming and events and so on to see that strategy come uh, become reality and so, Sean, that's kind of the core of what, what we do now to help churches take their next steps. That's great. And I think that there are just, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people um, coaching now, which I think is great. It's, it's, it's good to see it. I think um, conferences are wonderful. I love conferences. I'm a conference junkie. But the rise of the coach has been something that I've seen in the church over the last 10 years. I think is is just excellent. And I think that every leader should have a coach. And, and uh Tony has worked in, in large churches, in medium churches, and in government. And so, I mean, you've seen, you've seen all the different teams and all the different strategies. And uh, so if, if you're a church that's stuck in either of those uh, directions, I, I, I encourage you to get in touch with Tony. has a team of coaches, too, that can, that can help um, with that. And speaking of that, you had a blog series, Tony, just a, a little while ago um, that is on measuring church health. And it was the five areas, I think, of, of just, you know, of importance um, for that. Uh, tell us just a little bit about those, and, and obviously people can read, they can go to the blog post if they want to, but just tell us where that came from, like how did you find out some of that information, and what were some of the key findings in those five areas of growth and how we measure? Because I actually use that blog post often to go back and just measure out 
what we're doing here at Freedom Church. So yeah, well, uh, the how that all developed was one one of the aspects of the ministry health assessment that we do with churches is to provide a survey up front uh, just to find out where they are. And part of that survey uh, asks for some data, some information about what's happening in the different ministry areas of the church. And we've accumulated all that data through the last several years and compiled that. And as a result, have now some benchmarks that we can show churches as we're working with them where, I mean, where the other churches are, kind of those like-minded churches that are trying to accomplish the same mission they are as a church. And as a result of that, there's maybe 15, 16 different now benchmarks that we have available. The good news is, as you mentioned, uh, we blogged about four or five of those, I guess it was, in the last month or so. But after the holidays, we'll be releasing an ebook that takes a look at all of those benchmarks and kind of gets digs in a little bit deeper to what's behind that information and then hopefully provide some thoughts on how churches can take their next steps forward in each of those areas as well. That's great. And so though, that's, that's the thing I loved about it. And I, think that, I thought that's how I understood it when I read it is that this comes out of like-minded churches, the churches that you're coaching. This isn't just broad demographics around, you know, random uh, different denominations. I mean, this is like-minded people that you're running with. And so that was, that was very helpful because sometimes it's, it's, uh, you don't know where the info is coming from. And so that was extremely um, helpful to, to, uh, to me. Um, Jenny, I heard one time Judd Wilhite say um, that it is not the pastor's responsibility to care for everyone, but it is their responsibility to make sure that everyone is cared for. Um, as you're the executive pastor and helping uh, Pete with, you know, that that's what he wants to do. I mean, and I know, as sitting now in the in the lead chair, I mean, that's ultimately what kind of drives me is making sure that everyone's cared for. But I came to a quick realization that even at our size, uh, we I can't care for everybody, and I know your guys' size, Pete, would love to yeah. uh, care for people. But how do you make sure that the church is healthy? and that the church is getting soul care and that, that, that that's happening with the staff team uh, to be able to do that. And not just the staff being cared for, but caring for the church in these areas like Tony's talking about that we can measure and make sure yeah. that we're healthy. Yeah, yeah, and it's so huge and it's such a tough tension. And Sean, you know this because of being a, a lead pastor. But, um, you know, there's Pete is such a relational pastor. I mean, he's just a pastor at heart, you know, and so... Um, that's probably one of the tough tensions for us as a church is as we've grown, figure out how to share that shepherding component um, throughout the organization, you know, with, with all of our team, as well as then, you know, how are we shepherding one another, but then how are we shepherding the congregation, et cetera. So that's a real, like, I mean, I think that's an important conversation that church leaders are having and making sure, are the systems there and are we helping um, assure our lead pastor that those things are being done and there's ways that we're monitoring and measuring that. And a lot of that goes back to, you know, one of those five things that I'm constantly coaching our teams on is the spiritual leadership component. And so although I'm not a pastor by my day-to-day -day responsibilities, you know, like my day-to-day -day activities um, in the executive role are not um, a lot of shepherding and pastoral care, there's always a spiritual leadership component to what we do. And so I think when even when we're hiring staff and then as we're coaching staff, that we're always reminding them that, that as ministry leaders, but even as, just as believers, there's this element of spiritual care that we really should have for the people that are in our sphere of influence, you know? And so, um, you know, I, part of the way that I look at my responsibility with my team is, 
is just their spiritual health and well-being. And that doesn't always mean that I'm the person who is pastoring or shepherding them, but it's that I have a good pulse on um, do they have a, a pastor or a shepherd around them who is speaking into their life for spiritual health. And so that as their leader, I'm aware of do they have that component in their life and am I spurring them onto that. And then um, for the congregation, we really... Uh, established that our campus pastors are the shepherding and care leaders of that campus and that uh, Pete reinforces that when he's communicating both to the staff and to the congregation that you know our campus pastors are there to help be that you know that network of pastors and shepherds that are there to help you know lead through um, that care for everybody um, and, but then in in doing that we create a lot of avenues where our pastors get together in our network so that they're making sure they're in conversations they're letting Pete know what is um, what's the spiritual temperature of our church and of our staff you know and and um, kind of communicating that around that pastoral team so that um, there's just Pete as the senior leader has a good pulse on the, the spiritual health of not only our staff but the congregation, but we're making we're making room for that. So um, that's that's I think just kind of keeping that front and center in front of everybody, and really uh, I think Pete does a good job of making sure that uh, he's communicating the importance of our pastors at every level and them speaking into and shepherding everyone. Cool. And then so you know how do you, how do you then what do you measure? Because I know when Chris. Uh, Chris actually was on the small groups um, call that we did, or ministry hangout we did, and he talked about you know how you guys has had a major emphasis to get people in community groups at, at, at some point. I think it's been in the past, and now you guys have, have reached nearly reached that goal or have reached that goal. Yep. Was that out of a was that out of measuring something? Was that out of a place where yeah. you went, you know, hey, we you know, I guess I'm making a case for there was something that was measured that said we're not healthy in this area. And was that that was that the case in that? Yeah, that? yeah. I think that's good. I think you know it's it's so challenging to figure out what is how do you measure spiritual growth? You know, I mean that's such a challenging piece to figure out. But um, we did we do say that you know for us groups are our best place for life change to happen. You know, our our community group structure is the is the uh, arena where we are doing our best to create good discipleship. Um, in those in those environments, and we're equipping those leaders. Chris Surratt, um, as you mentioned on our team, is responsible for that area, and so uh, that's one of those key measurables for us of church health: is how many people do we have plugged into groups? How well are they staying retained in groups? What curriculum are they doing? You know, and Chris and his team are monitoring all of those things so that we can kind of keep an eye, a, a good pulse on um, on that health and. You know, um, in regards to health, obvious or or, or a measurement. You know, we're keeping attendance just in regular Sunday attendance, and then we're measuring group attendance. We're measuring we're gauging salvations and baptisms, which all are numbers that at least identify symptoms for us. You know, and a lot of times people are like, "Ugh, why do you keep all of those? Why do you keep all that data? Why are you measuring all those things?" But what that data tells us is if we see a fluctuation or if we see groups attendance dip pretty dramatically well then there's a symptom, there's something not going well there, you know, in that area or that arena that helps us dig deeper to go, okay, what's going on there? Or if we see those spike in some way or another, then we see an opportunity for us to go, okay, there's a symptom of something that might be healthy 
and how can we fuel that and what's working and can we dig deeper and so we're we're following like retention in groups you know and so if we see a group leader that constantly has a rotation of people coming in and out well that's a symptom of something not working in that group environment you know and so we're measuring all that data to try to help us just at least identify symptoms that speak to health or unhealth that's good and you, and you said something that's so true and I think we've all struggled with it is it's so difficult to measure um, spiritual growth. It's, it's almost nearly impossible to measure spiritual growth. However, I think what happened at some point in the church is that we just said, okay, we won't measure anything then because we can't measure, we can't yeah. fine-tune it. Well, well, what we do is we can stack a lot of things together and all of a sudden we get a, a better picture, a closer picture at least. And Tony, have you felt, you know, as you're, you're probably, see, you're dealing with a lot of churches that if they're not measuring things, I'm sure you're encouraging them to start measuring things. And so, um, is part of part of what I think you do is to help people, you know, walk through that. But obviously, we know that one area is it may be a number, but it's not or a story, but it's not the story. But do you see that cumulatively, if you can get a bunch of these things together, that you start to see a better picture of spiritual health? Or at the end of the 15 things that are going to be in this ebook, do you have a picture, but is it still cloudy? What What are you finding on that as 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 it comes to measuring things? Is it still just so nebulous? Or does that help when you stack things? Yeah, well, I agree. I don't think one measure is going to do it. I think uh, a handful of measurements give you a sense of it. But let me offer this too, Sean. Um, I always ch challenge, challenge pastors, church leaders. There are two ways that we can look at the health of a church. One of them is by the numbers, and the other one's by the stories. And really, we need both. Um, yeah. I, I see pastors that lean on the numbers. And the problem is pastors have this unique spiritual gift of making numbers say whatever they want them to say. And so we need to, we need to listen for the stories to make sure they confirm what the, what the numbers are telling us. On the other hand, I've, I've heard from the pastors, we're not about numbers here. We're just listening for the stories of life change, which is great. But the other thing I know about pastors is they tend to listen to the last person that they've talked to. And if that last conversation was a good conversation, everything's going great in the church. If that last conversation was a negative conversation, things are falling apart. And so we, can, we need to listen to stories, but the numbers should confirm the stories as well. They really go hand in hand. That, is it. that, that last thing you said there, I, I hope people don't miss that, because I have found that in two and a half years, the most... Um, Surprising thing to me was how quickly my attitude can change based on the last story that I hear. I mean, like, from we had our biggest weekend ever to someone catches me in the parking lot with a complaint, and it was the worst weekend we ever had in the history of church. It was We're not even going to have church next week. And so numbers have become my friend in some ways because they keep me a little bit balanced. They don't tell me the whole story, but I can go, well, wait a minute. They're saying no one likes community groups. You know, that's the complaint. Well, We've grown in our community groups and by 35%, so someone does. And so it just balances me out, but it allows me too to go, okay, but this story matters, so let's figure out what's going on with this story. And I think that's a great point, Tony, of, of balance because it is true. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard pastors and I've probably been guilty myself of it before going, well, we're having an attendance dip, but you know why? That's because God is doing something special here and people are deciding to either get on or off, you know, and, oh, we're having attendance, not a, it was growing, that's because God's doing something special here, and so it, it can quickly, um, numbers not combined with stories can, can, uh, can get confusing um, sometimes. Um, well, here's the, the kind of the last piece of, of our, 
uh, segment together is um, just to, is there anything going on for you right now that you say, you know what, I really want the, the listening audience to know about this book, um, that are this conference that I'm going to, speaking at, this something I've read that, that I just want to share with them or a learning I have. And this really this is a time too for this selfless, um, you know, shameless self-promotion. Uh, so anything you're a part of, tell us again about it if you've already mentioned it. Let us know what's going on because uh, you guys are on here because you know what you're talking about and, and people need to hear what you're doing. So, um, Jenny, anything going on for you? I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've, have you written anything lately? I, I can't remember if you've got anything that you've done in a book-wise, you know, something like that. So anything yeah. going on for you? Well, first of all, we got to make sure Tony talks about the Volunteer Rocket event he's got coming up. That's right. Um, We'll make sure he tells us about that because I think you know that stuff is so yeah. good. But um, uh, you know, I like you, Sean. I'm a conference junkie, so I'm always you know just soaking in as much as I can. But I love what you guys are doing with Ministry Hangout in that it's just a great opportunity for us as church leaders to circle up and you know hear from one another and just learn right in our offices. You know, because I think a lot of times we don't have the luxury of going out to everything and everywhere. But um, I love, you know, opportunities like this where we can just learn and grow and get connected to other ministry leaders in the church. So thank you so much for doing this. And, um, yeah, I have released a book earlier this year. Uh, Sherry Surratt and I wrote a book for women leaders in the church. It's called Just Lead. And uh, that released in March. And then I have another book of my own releasing in January called Clout, Discover and Unleash Your God-Given Influence. And uh, that book is really kind of just my heartbeat as a leader and just the health of the leader, how valuable it is for us to understand how we're uniquely wired and created and really what God wants to do with our clout, our sphere of influence as a leader. So um, super excited about that. It comes out in January. And um, you can all stay connected with me at JennyCatron.com. That's the best place I blog and um, kind of stay connected there. So I um, love to just connect with church leaders and and talk about talk about ministry. So thanks for that, Sean. Great, thank you, Jenny. And then Tony, how about you? Yeah, I'm I'm just getting this is Jenny's book, so I'm just going to plug her book. How's that sound? There you go. <laughs> no, really, one one of uh, one just one of the aspects of a healthy church is how we um, attract, equip, empower volunteers in our ministry. It's interesting as, again, I've dug into some of the research related to volunteer connections. Uh, volunteers tend to uh, be more likely to invite friends to church. Uh, they're more, they're more likely to take next steps into group relationships and things along those lines. They're more likely to give. Uh, and so uh, what we're finding is serving, and this should be no surprise to us, uh, it's a key component of the discipleship process. And one, one of the things I'm most excited about now is uh, October 29th, we're going to have a free online event. It's called Get More Volunteers. Uh, we've interviewed Perry Noble from New Spring, Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands, talking about the dream team there, Wayne Cordero, and a couple of other great leaders in the church. And that free event, again, it's all about helping churches get more volunteers because we think that's so critical to the health of churches. So, uh, Sean, thanks for letting me share about that upcoming event. Yep, absolutely. And I would encourage uh, I, I, anybody to, to take a, a look at that. We've had uh, Pastor Chris here on a, a ministry hangout and then also talked about the growth track there a couple times. And it is, it's an incredible uh, journey. You want to hear that story. You want to hear about the ownership uh, principle that, that Perry's got. I mean, it's, it's just incredible um, how when you in, 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 in 
and, and to put fire behind volunteers, what the difference that makes. And then, Tony, just for me, and, and maybe others want to hear about it too, when will that 15, the 15 areas ebook? when did you say that would release? Because I'm very interested in that. Yeah, well, the good news is it's written, so it's not waiting on me, but yeah. we're, we're looking at uh, after the holidays to release that. So you can get your new iPads, your new Kindles for Christmas, and then download the new ebook then after the holidays. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, thank you guys so much for being a part of this, and uh, thank you to the listening audience as well for tuning in again. Uh, I know that you've got something out of today. Uh, in fact, I would encourage you to, if you're watching by yourself, to share it with your staff, um, huddle around and watch it, the archive, um, send it to your staff to watch and then talk about it, um, because I think there's just a lot to glean from here and a lot of resources too to now go follow up on and be able to learn from. So um, until two weeks from now when we meet again, uh, you guys have a great uh, ministry season. And thank you, Tony. Thank you, Jenny, for being a part of uh, Ministry Hangouts without Greg Surratt today. Uh, and then uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks for Ministry Hangout with Greg Surratt. Thank you, guys.